0: Welcome to the Life Story Coach Podcast, where you'll hear interviews, tips, and advice on the craft and business of personal history and life story writing, with your host, Amy Woods Butler.
1: Hello, everyone. This is the show where we talk about growing our life story business. We serve clients by helping them preserve their life stories in book, audio, and video projects so that they can share their memories and their stories with their family and friends. And today we have Steve Pender on with us. Steve is an award winning visual storyteller. He honed his chops as a screenwriter, a producer, director, and video editor during his years working in PR, where he produced corporate, business, and not for profit videos. In 2000, he made the leap into the world of personal history and life story with the launch of his videos, life story, and biography company, Family Legacy Video. To date, Steve has served clients across the continental US, in Hawaii, and in Europe. And it was one of his international videos that caught my eye and prompted me to invite him to the show. So welcome, Steve.
0: Thanks, Amy. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for the uh, invitation.
1: Oh, well, I'm happy to have you here. Why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about what kinds of services you provide for your clients? So I know that you primarily have video biographies. Can you tell us a little bit about what they look like and the different kinds of categories that you have?
0: Sure. Uh, my. Business has evolved a little bit since I started in, in 2003. Uh, when I began, it was kind of a... Well, it was primarily uh, to produce uh, and provide a, a do-it-yourself guide for families who might want to produce their own uh, legacy videos. And uh, so for a number of years... And I did that because, quite frankly, I wasn't sure folks would want to hire me to do a whole soup-to-nuts project.
1: That's really interesting. So you mean that when you started, it was not to actually produce videos for people, but it was to give them some training on how to do it themselves?
0: Yeah, the the first product I offered was uh, a Family Legacy Video Producers Guide. It was a how-to do-it-yourself guide on a CD-ROM. And that's what I sold when I first set up uh, the website. I wasn't really sure that folks would hire me to do a whole soup to nuts production because I came out of uh, uh, the video production business starting in the late 70s and 80s. And those were times when you were, you know, working in uh, large facilities, uh, paying by the hour. It's very expensive. And it really wasn't, uh, I-, I thought, economically feasible to try to do the kind of projects I wanted to do, um, you know, and working in facilities like that. So, uh, uh, ironically when I created the producer's guide, so this was 2003, um, I had folks test drive it for me. I had joined a rotary club here in town. So I asked a couple of members to, to check out the guide for me and give me some critiques. And one of the fellows who did that was a retired engineer in town, and he liked the guide, and he said he and his wife really wanted to produce a, a video of their own, but there was no way. They were in their 70s at the time, and he said there was no way that they would be able to do it themselves, so could they hire me? So kind of
1: Perfect, <laughs> <yeah>. perfect. <laughs>
0: so it came around full circle there, and, and uh, so I've been uh, kind of figuring things out ever since. And f- so for a while, I did continue with a mix of, of uh, custom production as well as uh, do-it-yourself uh, services and products. Uh, For a number of years, I offered webinars. Uh, Before that, we did some live uh, workshops here in Tucson where folks would fly in and we'd do a weekend of uh, video production training for video biographies.
1: These were not to train people to go and do other clients' videos. These were actually people who were coming in to learn how to do their own family stories and, and biography videos. Is that right?
0: It was a mix. Yeah. Some folks just wanted to work on their own projects and some, some uh, other attendees were eyeing it as a way to start their own businesses.
1: Oh, interesting model. Yeah. So, uh, model. Okay. Yeah,
0: so uh, but after, uh, it, there was really a lot of work involved in all of that. And, and my true passion is really the production side. So uh, a couple of years ago, I just kind of folded that part of the business and, uh, am now concentrating purely on, on video production. Uh, so at any rate, what we, uh, everything we do is custom. So I, I'm very goal oriented when I speak to a, a potential client and then a new client, you know, we, we spend time getting to know what it is they'd like to accomplish with the video and I can give them some ideas and then we talk some, uh, Budget ranges, and then we then we move on from there. And I really shape the production to fit their wants and needs. Yeah, I'm a Big believer in that. And uh, we started. Uh, uh, I, I wanted to have a few different ranges. I, I work at a fairly high level, so we we turn out a very uh, high end and and uh, I think custom and just great looking and sounding uh, video. Um, but we wanted to have some buy in for folks at several different levels. So we, we, we start with what I call the family legacy video Q&A. So for question and answer. And it's it's kind of a more basic, um, I guess you could think of it as a TV magazine style interview interview. Uh, Uh, the storyteller, primarily on camera. Most of the time we can put in a few uh, photos and other uh, images to help illustrate some of the stories, but it's mainly them on camera telling their stories, and we usually shoot with two cameras to provide some, some variety and let us cut to different angles and uh, so that's that particular product and those those start around the $7,500 range uh not including any travel I'd have to do and And,
1: excuse me so $7,500 and what is the length of the the end product
0: yeah those can generally run um hour and a half somewhere in that Mm -hmm. neighborhood and uh, you can cover a lot of ground in that amount of time Uh, but they can be longer they can be shorter again it all depends and then uh but then we step up to the more, uh, what I think of as, say, a documentary-style production, where we're bringing in a lot more bells and, and whistles and entertainment value, uh, and uh, so those are our premium and deluxe uh, legacy videos and those start really in the 20 twenty five thousand dollar range and they can go up from there you know i've had projects that uh, involve many days of shooting and lots of editing and we bring in archival footage and music and graphics like maps and other things and so uh, it really uh, it really is uh, entirely up to what the client can afford and uh, would like to do
1: how does that discussion look when you're sitting down with the clients? Do they generally know ahead of time really what they want the end product to be, or is it more based on budgets? Um, I I know I find when people hire me to write their book, um, (laughs) aside from knowing that it's going to be printed on paper and bound between two covers, they really don't know at all what they want. Um, And very often for me, that looks like, um, you know, they think they want a small project and it kind of blossoms from there and grows into something much larger. Do you find that with your clients or do they already know pretty much what they want uh, from you and what they want the end product to look like?
0: for the most part i think it's very similar to your experience uh, you know uh, this is a a, a first time experience for uh, for a lot of my customers and clients and so uh, they look to me as the guide you know to usher them through mm-hmm. the process and and to make the creative suggestions so we'll have a discussion about you know broad goals you know uh, they want uh, a video about their mother their father the grandparents, their life and times, or maybe it's their business story. And so, uh, you know, I'll get kind of a broad outline of what they're looking for. And then as we speak, I I will also uh, kind of mine them for a little bit of information as to, okay, where... Where might we shoot this? Is it going to be at a business, at a home? Uh, what resources uh, might they have that we could use? So, do they have a vast treasure trove of of photos and magazine clippings and family films, or do they really have next to nothing in terms of that? So that'll that'll give me an idea of the kinds of options that are available to me uh, creatively, and then uh, and then I'll I'll give them a proposal, a brief proposal, maybe describing a couple of op- options and and pricing and uh, and then we'll we'll see where they want to to go from there.
1: Mm. So in the proposal you have more than one option even for the pricing is that is that what I'm understanding?
0: Sure if they if they uh Uh, Well, I always like to give a a fallback position (laughs) because if you know if if what I sense from them is that they're really looking for a uh, a deluxe product, um, but they really have no idea what that's going to cost. uh, I always find it pays to give them a couple of options. One that's you know that high end deluxe idea, but here's what it's going to cost probably. And then maybe something that's uh, scaled back a little bit. So, um, you know, at a lower price point, say. And so it, So, I think it helps to give yeah. folks some options.
1: I think that's a great idea to actually include that in your proposal. And I- You know, Steve, I I think people in our industry very often, we assume that during the sales conversation, so when we're sitting down with that client who is thinking about hiring us, and you could tell that they really want a project, and they ask us that, you know, that question that's always, almost always in the forefront, um, you know, what is this going to cost? Very often, I think we assume that we have to give a a price, whether it's a, a range, a ballpark range or a, a fixed number that we have to do that then and there. And I think it's very smart to um, say, okay, I, ha- you know, you're, you're, you're in an informational meeting, you're gathering all of the information and to let the client know, I will get back to you with this. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing with the proposal.
0: Oh, exactly. Exactly. I mean, and that's, uh, that I, that works the best for me really, because I, uh, I don't like just, shoveling out a price in the heat of the moment, you know, and, and, uh, I, I like to think about it a little bit and, uh, and think about what other options I can offer. And, uh, and so I think that works the best and, and, uh, it's been fairly successful for me over the years. I think it kind of harkens back to my corporate video days because that's the way you'd always work. Uh, you know, you'd, you'd make up, you'd, write up proposals and give options and offer prices and then and then take it from there
1: mm yeah it's great that you had that background. Um, you know, it's funny what we bring from our previous careers into the, the practices that we learn from our previous careers and how we bring them and kind of make them fit to what we're doing now. And, you know, sometimes it works really well, like like in this case, it sounds like it probably does for you. Um, well, I want to talk about a few things, but I, I really want to get to talking about the Italy video that you did. You send out an email newsletter, and it's a video newsletter. I'm not sure if every single time it's a video or not, but it looks like you've been doing it for years. And the last one that I got from you showed a little clip of a video that you did for a family, an American family, who had gone on vacation to Italy and i think the man at least his roots were in Italy it sounds like his parents were both from this or they were both italian i'm assuming and you have in the in this excerpt from your video or this little clip you show them it's I think it's wonderful you show them in the town where the man's parents got married um, and there's I, I want to talk about a couple of things because it starts off really funny and a sweet charming way and then it moves into becoming something very very poignant I'm assuming this was a vacation, but it was a vacation with a goal or a mission of going and seeing this man's roots. So tell us a little bit about how that came about um, and if that's something that people often do, where they take you and your, your crew on on their vacations to have footage of that as part of their life biography video.
0: Well, this is a. I'd love to do more of it <laughs> because it was a, it was a tremendous trip. But it, it began, um, gosh, let's see, 2018. It was, uh, uh, I guess, um, early spring. I would I would want to say, and I got a phone call. I'll use a fellow's first name. His name is Tony. Wonderful guy. Uh, just a terrific family. And he had seen. Now I had been featured in. I want to say September of 2017. In an article in the aarp uh bulletin and
1: uh, oh good for you wow yeah
0: yeah it was it was just a wonderful experience and so his tony's uh children had been bugging him because you know the older generation of his family was beginning to pass off the mortal coil and and they were telling him well nobody's capturing the stories you know and and you got to do something so Uh, I guess they pestered him, you know, one time too many, and he said, "Okay, okay, I'm gonna, I'll check it out." And so, he had kept this article, and and uh, the article mentioned several companies. I was the one that, uh, well, I was the one he eventually chose, and uh, uh, I'll never forget the phone call because uh, I picked it up and. We were chatting, and he was talking about wanting to capture the story of his family and that he was in Michigan. Could I come to Michigan? I said, sure, because I travel all over the country. And then he then he asked me, uh, how about Italy? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, I paused for a second, and I said, sure, why not? I, you know, we could uh, – you know, it's just – It's another country, but I know the process and I know how to put something like this together, uh, a shoot like this together. So it's just maybe a couple of of uh, extra uh, administrative hoops to jump through. But, you know, we could certainly do it. And so what a long story short, what he wanted to do. He had emigrated with uh, his family as a boy of four, I think it was in um, in the late 1950s. or no, 1953, and they were from a small farming province about a couple of hours south of of Rome, a a gorgeous area. Uh, But one of the things that he kept underlining during the course of the project was how uh, until they returned, until uh, they returned for a family wedding years later, uh, his father could never appreciate the beauty or his mother because all they were doing each and every day was working to provide a living on the farm. You know, it was uh, a little more than subsistence farming because they did grow crops that they sold in the village and, and other items, but, uh, it was a, a tough slog. You know, they lived in a stone, uh, stone farmhouse, which I saw, which, which Tony took us through on the shoot, um, Uh, You know, no amenities. I mean, this was a stone house, uh, no running water, no electricity. Uh, The nearest water was about a mile's walk away, you know, and uh, so it was, uh, you know, it was not an easy life. And uh, and it had and and when he returned, I think he was 10 when they went back for this family wedding, uh, nothing had changed. And so he realized, oh, (laughs) this is why my parents left Italy, you know. Uh, For a better Mm. life in the U.S. Yeah, and
1: and think about it—if they left in 1953, that was not that many years after the end of World War II. You know, I'm I'm sure things were still, um, uh, you know, a little rough. There were there were repercussions that we as Americans really don't probably understand, even several years after World War II.
0: Oh sure, uh, and and World War Two did. I uh, our, my first trip was to go to Michigan, where I interviewed Tony, uh, his wife, and then uh, an elderly cousin who had been uh, a young girl during World War Two, and she had some yeah. very very vivid memories of of those times then. And Tony's um, uh, father had been a an Italian soldier, you know, conscripted and spent some time in a prisoner of war camp and, and all that. So, yeah, there were definitely, definitely, uh, elements of world war two that, that figured in the, in the family stories as well. But, uh, Tony's goal was, it, it, it was a vacation because he, he arrived before my crew and I did, and they stayed a little longer after we left, but it was kind of a working <laughs> a vacation with a purpose. Let's put it that way. Um, so he had the goal of, of uh, there were a number of things he wanted to accomplish, um, and uh, he wanted to show the beauty of the the region, the area, but he also wanted to visit these areas that figured prominently in his family's uh, history, primarily because he wanted to leave this information in some form for his uh, for his grandchildren because you know they totally of course Americanized uh, used to this way of life, no real conception of the life that Tony and his family left, and you know, he wanted them to know uh, know about that. So uh, we kind of before we went over, we kind of scoped out uh, the kinds of things he wanted to do. So I had an idea of the number of days we'd need uh, for shooting, and then um, and then for scouting, because he was describing locations to me and people to me, but until we got over there and got on the ground, it was kind of uh, hard for me to visualize a lot of it. And so, uh, so we built in extra time before the shoot to be able to do that. Um, I traveled over with, uh, you know, there, uh, there were a lot of uh, additional logistics to deal with. So for instance, I knew that uh, I wanted to travel with over with at least my core crew. So I have a, my trusty camera, uh, person and uh, a, a sound man who uh, who I who I love using he does terrific work and uh, and then a and then, of course, I had to bring my wife along because, you know, she was the still photographer. And so we, we, we went over with that crew. And then, uh, thank goodness for the Internet, we were able to find uh, a small production company in Italy that was fluent in English. And so f- through them, we, we rented most of our gear and um, the drone operator and a makeup artist. So that that made up the, up the crew. Uh, we flew in uh, to Rome drove down to, uh, uh, this town of Arpino, which was the town where Tony's parents were married. And the, there was a nearby town called Santa Padre, which is where, uh, Tony's farm was located just nearby that, that little town. And then the next day we all met up, uh, n- not the other crew yet, just my core crew and, Tony and uh, a representative from um, the tourist board there and, and also a translator. And we s- spent the day scouting. We went to all the various locations that Tony wanted to, to visit so that I could visualize what we needed to do. And uh, so it was a long day, but very productive. We even met with the mayor of Santa Padre to get his blessing mm-hmm. and, and and all that good stuff. And and then uh, the next day, I met in the morning with, with my core crew people to, to kind of get their thoughts. And, uh, and then I spent that afternoon uh, drawing up a shoot schedule and distributing it. So we were all on the same page uh, the next morning when we actually began the shoot. And it turned into a, a four-day shoot, uh, which We'd always planned for. And and it was just a wonderful, wonderful time. Uh, we went to visit Tony's farmhouse. He led us through that, as I mentioned. We, um, oh, Where else did we go? We spent some time with uh, his cousin, uh, whose wife cooked us a delicious, <laughs> a delicious lunch. Yeah. <laughs> we ate very well over there and then we uh, and then we recorded a conversation uh between the four or five of them uh talking about family history which was mostly in italian so i had to get that transcribed and subtitled once we got back to the states uh, and we interviewed um, a fellow, there was a monument over there to the immigrants who had left the area. And so we spoke to the fellow who headed up the effort to build that, uh, walk through Santa Padre Arpino, uh, just to get the lay of the land. It was, uh, it was just a, a wonderful, wonderful time. And every day we hit on another aspect of Tony's story and he was a wonderful guy. He just turned out to be fantastic in front of the camera. And, um, and that uh, that's what it was all about. Now the the day that uh, you were referring to regarding the church and the drive up to it, uh, that was a hoot because, uh, if anybody. uh, Oh,
1: right. And I have to say anybody, any listeners out there, I will put a link to that video in the show notes and you have to watch it just for the, this year. I even made my kids watch it. We were cracking up because there's these tiny little, uh, uh, tiny narrow streets and it looked like he had what was probably in Italy, a very huge vehicle, you know, maybe not by American standards. And he's navigating uphill, up these narrow streets that were built for probably built in the in the medieval times so <laughs> oh absolutely they, they <laughs> yeah, and, and, and yeah. that's that's where the charming funny part came in because the uh, you know you caught the the um, the conversation between him and I assume that was his wife sitting in the back seat and they were, you know everybody was loving it and then well I'll let you tell about the mirror too which I didn't even catch the first time I watched this video clip, but my daughter did.
0: <laughs> well, it, it's very funny. Uh, as you said, the st- these are medieval streets. You know, they were built for ox carts and horses and pedestrians, you know, not, not motor vehicles. So, you know, you, you have like a hair's breadth between you and, the, and and a wall sometimes as you're driving up these streets. And and to tell you how 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 much they're used to it over there is that there is a button in the vehicles the rental vehicles that automatically folds the mirrors in so you know that's just uh, uh, that's, <laughs> that's just a common feature over there.
1: I guess he missed that button quick. <laughs> he well, missed hitting it uh, quick enough.
0: Yeah, he did scrape at one point, which was which was pretty funny. But we had another thing that we did in addition to the drone work and. Uh, uh, and the other cameras that we had are our, our interview cameras and the cameras we used to capture other footage. We had two GoPros. So we mounted, mounted one on the hood looking forward and we mounted one inside on the dash looking back at the family and recording their, their conversation. And we did it there and a couple of other locations as well. So, uh, it made a great way to help structure the piece and Cut to the family and then and then and then to their destinations
1: right, that was very impressive, and then how many drone cameras did you have uh, we had the
0: one so the I, the idea for the drive up uh, was that uh, they would ma- there's a main plaza or what they call a piazza there in Arpino. and so Tony <clears throat> and his family waited there uh, we <laughs> I was praying when they drove up that this what happened to us wouldn't happen to them. But our um, our drone our drone operator went to the end of the street. He said, "I'll hold up the traffic so you come up." Because we had to drive up with uh, our crew vehicle and our equipment vehicle, which were about the same width as Tony's vehicle. So uh, unfortunately, he didn't do a very good job of holding up the traffic coming downhill because twice we had to stop and back up and go into an alleyway because there was a scooter or some other car coming in our direction. Uh, but we made it and, uh, and we set up and the idea is that we, we had, uh, we set up one camera. There was a point where the road opened up about a block before the church, and so we mounted one camera up there so we could watch the car kind of pass by. Then we, of course, we had the GoPros in the in the in their vehicle. We had walkie talkies, so that's how we communicated. And then uh, and then we had the drone uh, fly down to the uh, to the piazza and hover. It was fairly high, but you could get a really good line of sight to the to the car and the road. And then, uh, and then he followed them up. So, uh, so I, I just queued them on the walkie, and we crossed our fingers, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, what happened happened. So they, uh, they drove up the road. Luckily, they weren't stopped at all. They made it in one shot, and, uh, and they made it to the church. And then, uh, and then once they got to the church, we set up to have them walk up the steps going into the church, and then we spent the rest of that. Uh, That morning uh, inside the church, uh, shooting them, walking around, uh, looking at uh, various items and artwork. And then Tony wanted to do a little something special at the altar where he thanked his parents because that's where they were married and uh, and also kind of uh, reaffirmed his vows to uh, to his wife, Barbara. And uh, and it was it just made for uh, a wonderful sequence when, when we put it all together, because the you know, you had that fun fun jaunty ride up the street you know and oh no we just we just missed that wall and you know that sort of thing and a lot of <laughs> laughing and laughing and joking and oh you got the mirror you know that sort of thing and then uh and then uh, we had a beautiful aerial shot of the church spire with birds flying by and, and then them walking up the steps and we changed the mood by changing the music and then went inside the church. And, uh, it, it really made for a, a wonderful, wonderful day and, and, uh, a great sequence. So, so thanks for the compliment. And, and,
1: and it was wonderful. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of things that really stand out. And now that you're talking about the, you know, the behind the scenes and how you had the cameras set up, um, my first question would be, Did you know how you were going to compile that, or was it sort of, you know, creative? um, intuition and, uh, after the fact in, in post-production where you assembled it and it just worked like magic? Um, or do you kind of storyboard that kind of thing out with, you know, what, what scene is going to be, you know, what, what few seconds are going to start it. And then you're going to go to a different view of the drone, maybe. Um, how does that part work? Yeah, I don't, I,
0: I, I don't really storyboard, but I have a good idea of, uh, at least the kinds of footage that I need to acquire. So uh, I I knew what we needed to shoot. Uh, Of course, you know, this isn't scripted. They're not professional actors. So uh, I gave them a little bit of direction and told them to have a good time and what happened happened, (laughs) you know. And (laughs) and, uh, I knew on our end we had things covered because the Uh, the cameras were set. I knew we had good audio. I knew the drone operator, I could see what the drone operator was shooting on his monitors because I was standing right next to him. So I knew we were getting great stuff. Uh, so the magic there really happens in, uh, uh, in the editing. Uh, and that's, that's where I kind of bring it all together. I look at what we have, what the possibilities are, uh, pick some music, uh, that I think is appropriate. And then I start to play. And, and that's, that's, uh, as I said, that's that's really where all the magic happens, is, isn't that in that final edit?
1: And you can see it. I mean, um, it, it really did. Everything just sort of comes together. And unless you're talking to the person, like Steve. Under who actually does that kind of work it's invisible so there's it's very seamless as the viewer um but now that you're breaking it all down i can see how it really is a, a magic you know when you're when you're putting all of that together in the in the editing room something else that i really liked um well a couple of things one um the music you had you know the music fit the mood as they're driving up the hill and it's and it's You know, a fun, uh, very lighthearted piece, um, both music and what's happening on the cameras. And then you have beautiful music once um, they're in the church or once they're approaching the church and then in the church. And it really, you know, the story shifted and you can hear that in the music, but especially in the characters. And I want to call them characters here. I know they're real people, but you really brought out the character of of the family as they're driving up the hill. Because, you know, like uh, like you were saying, there's there was a lot of laughter in the car, even though it was kind of a harrowing drive. And for many families, I could see where that would not have been full of laughter. You know, that would have been a lot of arguing and, you know, hair pulling. Um, but they... You got a sense of who these people are by the way that they were interacting with each other, uh, on this drive. And then you certainly got a sense of who they were, especially Tony, when he's telling the story about, um, you know, he, he's, he actually, I think starts to weep at one point. Because he senses his parents' presence, and that is where it really got to my heart. Uh, you know, I think it was just beautiful, and I'm. Ex- I suspect that that was probably a surprise for everybody that he reacted the way he did.
0: Not that he teared up. Tony is a oh, okay. uh, yeah. Uh, he, he but he's all heart. He emotes.
1: He's, he emotes. Huh? No, no. He yes. he, he,
0: uh, he does tend to tear up. He's a very emotional guy and he loves his family and that really comes through in, in everything that he does. And uh and it certainly certainly it did there. And uh you know I uh, honestly I listening to the interview later. I, we also did an interview with in the, inside the church and, uh, you know, I, I got a little Clint myself, you know, (laughs) it Uh was, uh, it was, it was just very touching and, and, uh, and very, and very real, you know, there was nothing put on or fake about it. It was, uh, his true feelings. And, uh, and as you said, I think it really, really showed the family's character, uh, what they're all about, what they stand for. And, uh, and, gosh they're they're just dream legacy video clients is all I can say
1: and I'm sure that it's it's just like if you're doing a book about somebody some people are a little bit better at telling their stories about bringing the memories out that you know make them laugh make them cry and some people are um, you know not as naturally gifted at you've just even remembering or remembering in a full way certain things. And, um, you know, but w- we, we try to bring as much humanity to each project as we can. But some people are just, they shine a little bit brighter, you know, for for the pay on the page or for the video camera. Steve, you strike me as being somebody who is incredibly good at marketing your services. Um, when I was doing a little bit of research before you and I jumped on this call, um, I saw that you have, you know, you've done a podcast, you, like I mentioned before, you do these uh, e-newsletters. You also were featured on a local morning TV show, and not just once, but on three separate occasions. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about that? How did that come about?
0: Well, let's see. Tucson is not a big media market. (laughs) (laughs) so you know you have a you have a few television stations you've got you've got your radio you've got one newspaper in town and so you know uh, when I first started the business I did the usual kinds of things in order to try to get some some free PR you know sending out press releases things like that and uh, and I had some success getting in one uh, the main paper in town and then you know, like a local kind of shopper type uh, paper. And uh, I would guest it on some radio programs, but, but generally once you do one, that's about it. <laughs> you know, you know, the paper's not going to feature you again unless there's something truly Truly noteworthy, and there aren't many other places to go. Uh, well,
1: well, before you even go further than that, because there are listeners who are just getting started, so mm-hmm. they've had no media exposure whatsoever. It, it might have changed a bit since two thousand and three, but in general, how did you ab- go about getting those press releases? Did, were you the one sending them out? Did you hire a firm to help you, and also with the radio appearances?
0: Right, Th- that was just me uh, sending out press releases. I have a little bit of PR background because the. First staff job I had was for a, a PR agency on on the production side, uh, so I, I had a little bit of expertise there. And it was just, a, you know, it's just a matter of anybody who's starting a business that wants to at least try to start getting the word out, uh, call your call or look at the masthead, see see who may be dealing uh, on your local paper with, uh, you know, with uh, family issues that sort of thing, and uh, and call them or or email them or. To just contact them some way and say here here's uh, what i do uh is there any interest or what would it take to have you mention me or do a story about me or the business and that sort of thing And just get a read on what they're looking for because if you can serve them uh you know you help make their job a little easier and then in, in return you can get some ink you know um uh, uh, social media these days uh, you know, has changed the playing field a little bit and and so uh, because of the uh, I have been featured in some, of the, some online publications and quite often I think folks that write for one may look at another and they'll say oh look this person is an expert in this field and when I need to do a story I'll, I'll give him or her a call uh, you know so there can be a little bit of a domino effect there sometimes and
1: uh, so these are people that are reaching out to you it's not necessarily you reaching out to them and saying, "Hey, you know, would you like to feature my my company?" They're contacting you and saying, "We would like to run a story about video biographies."
0: Right, exactly. It, it, it has worked both ways. Of course, in the beginning, I didn't have that much of a presence on the web, and and so it was me reaching out, uh, but. Uh, for the most part, in the last number of years, it's been in, in the other direction. I have a pretty good web presence, mm-hmm. and so people people seek me out, and that's what happened with AARP and and, and some other online publications. The uh, the local TV show was terrific because uh, I have to say, uh, uh, you know, truth and advertising that they have a their morning show offers paid uh, spots. Uh, you know, so uh, you can, you can pay a fee and go on and be interviewed. And, uh, and I had wanted to have something that would be kind of like a commercial where I could be talking about what it is that family legacy video did. And I thought, gee, that's a, that's a perfect venue. So, uh, so I, I actually arranged those three appearances and then got the videos and posted them on my site.
1: Did they generate any business for you?
0: You know, it didn't, uh, the, the broadcasts themselves uh, didn 't and i really didn 't expect them to uh, but uh n- now that they 're up on the site it 's part of my general p r mix and uh, so i 'm mm-hmm. sure they 've helped uh, no nobody has come to me and it 's kind of like with my podcast again or the newsletter it 's just part of the mix uh part of that continuing to uh promote awareness of of me and the company and so uh you know sometimes people will come to me and say oh you know you 're I found you through the website or, you know, uh, uh, I heard your broadcast or whatever, but, uh, you know, I, it, it's kind of hard to tell on a case by case basis if, if, you know, I always ask folks, gee, how'd you find me? And, and generally it's through the web if it hasn't been a personal right. referral, you know, but, uh, So it,
1: it, well, and I I have to say that it's very clever of you to use. I know you said it was a paid spot, but um, there are a lot of people out there who have, they hire a video production crew to come and do something that is a little bit like a commercial that they can put a, they can put a video on their website to show their products and services and show a little bit about themselves. So you are basically leveraging a TV studio to have that done for you. I think that's kind of brilliant. And uh, well, then it also you. went out on the airwaves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, so it really it worked pretty well, because how many places can you go and give them the questions you want to be asked? And then, uh, and then they sit down and they, uh, they do a great job uh, of, of, uh, of bringing out the, uh, I guess you could call them the copy points or the selling points of, of your business. Oh,
1: and they did. It It in no way looked like it was a paid um, spot. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it looked like it was just a regular kind of feature that they would do on any interesting business or personality in town.
0: Right, and it was well worth it. Was well worth what I paid to do it. Uh, the price was more than fair and probably a lot less expensive than if I'd uh, hired a production company and a PR agency to produce something for me.
1: I think you've also written for other publications online publications um is that part of your overall marketing strategy
0: one thing that's that that folks might want to think about who if you've got a newsletter for instance is uh and you've written a a number of stories for your own newsletter uh repurpose them you know you can always Ah. reuse them so uh if something is evergreen uh uh you know, submit it to uh, you know, of uh, uh, e-zine articles, for instance, or uh, you know, there 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 are a lot of aggregators out there, folks that are looking for writers and articles, and so um, people uh, who may be looking for. Articles on your area of expertise will go to these sites and if they may read your article, might, if they like it, they put a link on their site. So it's just another way to, to help build traffic, you know? And uh, so that again is, is all part of the, all part of the mix. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a uh, Like your podcast, this is a wonderful opportunity to come and chat with a fellow uh, professional in the business and and uh, and then I can promote you and then also promote me through it. So it's, uh, you know, it's when you're in your own business, regardless of whether it's uh, a legacy video business or any other kind of a business, uh, I think you'll find that the promotion never stops (laughs) because you you can't let it stop. It's got to be a continuous thing.
1: And I like how you have this sort of multimodal approach to it. You know, you're you're sending out videos uh, out into the world. You're sending out um, some audio and the podcast that you've done. You're sending out your email newsletters and an email newsletter. So I have one for the life story coach, um, but the life story coach is. Well, for one thing, it's not monetized at all. I'm, you know, this is purely a hobby for me. And it is for specifically people who want to work in the field of. Life story business. So, who want to do what you're doing? Who want to do what I'm doing? Who want to do what you know the Lily Shanks and the Gloria Nussbaum's are doing with the audio projects? So, I do have an email newsletter um, for that, and I almost never write the emails, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but I, but I'm collecting, I'm collecting people's email addresses. I've never done that for my main company, which is the Story Scribe, and I'm wondering, like, for you, when you send out these newsletters, and it looks like you do C. So they're not super frequent, but a few times a year. Are you targeting past clients? And if so, are you hoping to get repeat business from them? I don't
0: necessarily target uh past clients with the newsletter. Uh the newsletter is it it, it just recently went quarterly. I've just been too busy on my production oh. to do I had been doing it monthly and uh it just got to be a little a little tough to continue that way. i have been doing it that way for I don't know 13 years or <laughs> whatever 14 years. And
1: Oh boy. So, wow. so really long time. Yeah, so there's
0: a big archive I I've, I've built up there. But uh that uh, originally, uh, I started that with a, I use a, an email, uh, I guess an email management system where you set up an autoresponder and, and folks will click on a link and sign up and get, you know, either a sign up to the newsletter or I offer a list of like free starter questions that folks can, folks can have emailed to them. And so that's also through this management email management, uh, a platform, and and then they get added to the list. So again, it's it's just part of that PR mix. Uh, when I started, uh, I did uh, I did add all of my uh, customers to the to the list. Uh, primarily the ones who had who had purchased like the guide I had mentioned earlier on online. So they got added to the list. And uh, but I've got a lot of people. It's a surprising number of people who uh, go after the free article. It's a list of, of questions for folks who may not know what to ask. And it's, it's a list that gives them ideas as they're planning their own family's, uh, legacy video. And I must, Mm. I must add at least 10 people a week, if not more sometimes. Uh, uh, so people are searching, finding my site, getting the free article and then getting added to the list. And, um, and I know in the past, one or two of those have become customers of one sort, whether they bought a product or, or became a, a client. So, uh, again, it's all part of that mix, just that PR mix. But uh, occasionally, you know, you do hit a hit the jackpot.
1: Do you know where most of your clients find you? You said that a lot of people say that on the web, but is that, um, is that- where most of the clients who end up signing on with you, um, find you, or is it more word of mouth? Do you have a big presence in Tucson where people say, Oh, yep. Steve Pender is the guy to go to. If you want to have a video biography done,
0: you know, the, the website has been, uh, just invaluable. Uh, I've had, a have had it going for a number of years now. So my, the performance, what they call SEO, you know, it, it, I do very well in searches. So, uh, so I'm found fairly often when people are searching for the kind of service I provide. But, uh, but there has also been, uh, networking. Uh, I didn't mention that yet, but, One of the things I did after we came to Tucson, so I I moved to Tucson with my wife in uh, in the fall of 2000. We came from New Jersey, and I wanted to really find a way to sink roots in in the community, so uh, I joined a Rotary club. I happened to meet a fellow who was in Rotary, invited me to a club meeting. I really had no knowledge of Rotary at that time, and I thought, oh, well, you know the old joke. This is a club that'll have me as a member, so <laughs> I might as well join. And uh, but they but they were a service club. You know, I know a lot of people when they're starting a business or if they're going to a new a new a new town or city, you you start hitting up all the business clubs and seeing what might fit, you know, what what might work for you. And and so many of them were just hard networking clubs. You know, you have to have your 30 second elevator speech ready and hello, shake the hand speech, move on. Rotary was totally different. It was, it was about building relationships over time, doing service projects, and uh, it was a really great group of people. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, the fellow who first hired me to actually produce a soup to nuts video biography, uh, was a member of my Rotary club. So, uh, another fellow right after that, who was a member hired me. And so, uh, while you don't necessarily join Rotary to get business, I have, have gotten business and good word of mouth through Rotary. And then I've also gotten good re- some good referrals and word of mouth through uh, clients who I've produced legacy videos for. So, uh, I don't primarily rely just on the website. Uh, you know, there are also these referrals, and as I said, the networking. But again, I you know, I'd encourage anybody don't don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, you've got
1: mm, you, exactly great advice. You, yeah. You've got
0: to get out there. You know, uh, in, 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 in as many PR uh, channels as you can, and uh, and sh- shake as many hands and build as many relationships as you can, because that's what over time. Now I'm talking about over time, and this is not an instant fix, you know. Uh you know, it's not like you set up your legacy video shingle and suddenly people are knocking on your door. But uh as people get to know you and become aware of you, and over time, that's the kind of thing that's going to help you build your main your business and and maintain it.
1: Great advice. I love that. Well, Steve, this has been wonderful talking with you. If people want to find you, where should they look?
0: Well, they can find me on the web at FamilyLegacyVideo.com, or I also have a, a toll-free number, and that's 888-662-1294. So, uh, and my email is Steve at FamilyLegacyVideo.com.
1: Great. And I'll make sure to put all of those in the show notes for this episode, as well as a link to the video that we were talking about that was in Italy um, people really need to see that. Oh,
0: well, thanks Amy. <laughs>
1: even, people that have, even people that don't do video at all. Um, but especially the people, those of you out there who are doing video, because, um, I just, it was so well done.
0: Well, thank you. And if, if any potential, if any potential clients want to take me to Europe, I'm happy to go.
1: <laughs> there you go. And you know what? I think they need a companion book with those projects. So, you know, I'm happy to go with all you. Right,
0: we'll keep you in <laughs> mind.
1: Okay, very good. All right, take care, Steve. You too, Amy. And that does it for our interview with Steve Pender of Family Legacy Videos. To see links to everything that we talked about today, head over to thelifestorycoach.com and look for episode 61. And I will definitely make sure to put a link to the video that we talked about where Steve is recording his client as they're on vacation in Italy. They're going in revisiting their roots. It's really a delight to watch. I hope that you found something that was interesting that you can take back and help grow your own business. And thank you for listening. As always, I appreciate any reviews that you can leave on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you know anybody who is interested in getting into personal history and life story, writing or recording, make sure to tell them about the podcast. Until next time, go out and save someone's story.